0: Today begins a series of three sermons on passages from Genesis, well-known beloved passages set alongside the works of the French-Russian artist Marc Chagall. You'll be able to find these selected works if you download the Order of Worship, and as well, uh, between the ending of the sermon and the invitation, you'll be able to see the work of art associated with each Sunday and each sermon projected onto the screen before you. Why Chagall? Well, there are many reasons, but I'll name two. First, Chagall was a wonderful reader of scripture. He doesn't explain everything away, but he also doesn't leave everything to speculation. He invites us to enjoy a kind of freedom of interpretation with an almost childlike depiction of biblical characters and stories. And second, Chagall's whimsical style, his playful and clever uses of color can offer joy and delight for all of us in these challenging, closed up, colorless, often days. We begin the first of this threefold series in the heat of the day sitting with Abraham in the shade underneath the flap of his tent, underneath the terebinths of Mamre. Three mysterious guests have just arrived, and true to their custom, Abraham and Sarah are scurrying to offer gracious hospitality. The story never seems to disclose whether all three of these men represent the Lord or whether one of them is the Lord and two of them are angels. But one thing is very clear. They come bearing news that is at once both wonderful and ridiculous. Where is Sarah, your wife? They ask Abraham as they stuff themselves with bread and meat. There are in the tent, he says. So the Lord says, I'm going to come back to you in this very season and she will bear a son. Now, because Sarah was not going to let Abraham keep all of this juicy conversation to himself, she's listening to them from just inside the flap of the entrance of the tent. And when she hears this claim by this mysterious guest, she laughs. Now, what kind of laugh do you think Sarah laughs. Is it a hearty belly laugh? (laughs) Oh, my God. Does she blow her cover by laughing uncontrollably, or is it a muffled snort, like sometimes when you're trying not to laugh out loud, like a... Like you do in church sometimes, or in class. Billy... Do you have something that you would like to share with the rest of us? Maybe it was an audible laugh, maybe it wasn't. The closest we can get to know is to know what the text says, and that's this. She laughs inwardly. She laughs to herself. The Lord promises the impossible, and Sarah responds with a psh or a <laughs> or a. Psh. And why wouldn't Sarah scoff? She hasn't had... The way of women, since the Reagan administration, either this mysterious stranger is drunk or he's cruel. What's certain is this claim that he makes to Abraham about Sarah bearing a child is a joke, right? But here comes the best part of the passage today. whether Sarah's laughter is audible, To the naked ear or not? The Lord hears it and he corresponds with Sarah. Why did Sarah laugh saying, Shall I really give birth old as I am? Is there anything I, the Lord, can't do? And then the Lord doubles down on the promise. In due time, I will return to you and Sarah shall bear a son. But Sarah denies laughing. What? Who? Me? Laugh? I did not laugh. It was uh, all that pepper I put on y'all's lamb shanks. Yeah, that's what it was. I, I sneezed. It was a sneeze is all. But the Lord says to Sarah, Oh, yes, you did laugh. Oh, yes, you did. So let's put the laser focus right here. Right here on this exchange, this laughter, I believe this is one of the places in the text that the gospel just blazes out of the story. Sarah snorts or giggles or scoffs or, wh- or, psh- or whatever it is she does. And God not only listens and hears, but responds. God playfully enters into conversation with our scoffing laughter, our disbelieving mockery, our audible cynicism. God speaks. God promises. We casually disregard. God speaks again. God responds. God reveals. I have sat in the pastor's chair or in the living room with or across the dinner table from dear friends and disciples who've longed for a promise just like this one, who longed for the promise of a child whose longing had given way to quick tears at the mere thought of what might have been. I have come to know so many of our young members in our congregation for whom this story cuts close to heart. Maybe some saw the scripture passage today and will never be part of this worship service because they they saw that it said Genesis 18 and they said, no, not today. Too much for today. Too much. Nevertheless, I want you to know that you you may entrust your scoffing, your rightful indignation, your pain, your tears, You may entrust it all to God, give it all to God. Let God have it all. And then keep listening for the God who enters into conversation with our most compelling doubts, our sighs too deep for words, our laughter so scornful God can't help but respond. For even in Sarah's scoffing cackle, there is the seed of faith. It can't be, can it? Again and again throughout scripture, we hear the similar questions to, how can I have a child at this age? Or can these bones live? Or what good can come out of Nazareth? Or he can't be the Messiah, can he? Again and again, we express our lingering doubts and register our educated guesses, and again and again, God not only listens and responds, but God keeps the promises God has made to bless us with life and a future that we never could have imagined, and we still can't imagine, because these blessings keep expanding exponentially, like stars and galaxies that press the edges of the outer known limits of the universe. The good news is that God declares people of faith have a future, even when it appears both anecdotally and scientifically that it's impossible. Are you one of those who want to be a parent, to welcome? A child into the world I don't know what's going to happen but I know this you have a future you can't imagine in God I want you to know that if you are a young person looking out ahead to the horizon and everything seems bleak for so many different existential reasons that you can be confident and you can walk convinced into that future knowing that God has prepared a place and a way for you that is more brilliant than you can possibly imagine. I want you to know that even if you feel death creeping at the edges of your appendages and that you are staring straight into the abyss according to your doctors and nurses and all the scientific readouts and the diagnoses that even you in Jesus Christ may look up to a starry sky and see your future The good news is that God declares people of faith have a future, even when it appears we don't. How many of us would have thought that just weeks ago that the the statue of Jefferson Davis would come down in Richmond of all places? I mean, I used to live right around the corner from that thing for like three years, and I can't tell you how permanent it looked. Or that in our sanctuary portico just days ago would be aglow with Pentecostal luminaries with black and white ministers and friends, old and new, standing together and hoping and dreaming of a new future together. Just weeks ago, would you have thought that so many things that look so permanent and so closed off could unravel and open up so quickly and that we could learn and hope for so much. In just a few seconds, you'll see the image of Chagall's painting of Abraham and Sarah. And I don't know if you can make it out, but the greening and the growth of the church is evident in the the crown of, of Isaac's head as Sarah cradles him and the same green color is splashed over Abraham's own heart. And can you detect the faintest trace of the path of a tear from Sarah's eye down to the top of her lip? What do you doubt? At what do you scoff? That you have a, a brilliant, beautiful, immeasurable future in God I know you guys think I kid a lot and that's because I do but I'm not kidding about this what me laugh